This is the Wednesday, June 16th edition of the Daily Wager Podcast. We've got some developing news in the NBA with two playoff games tonight. We'll also hit you with a little baseball and U.S. Open picks in and out in less than 10 minutes. Welcome to the Daily Wager Podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian alongside Tyler Fulgham. And Tyler, I woke up a little early this morning, but clearly not early enough. 7.30 a.m. <laughs> Pacific did not was not ready for the, the, the domino effect of news that just kept steamrolling in through the NBA. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a crazy morning to wake up and see the CP3 news, and you just felt for him. But even more pressing for the uh, uh, Western Conference series that's still you know going on, tied 2-2 with a Game 5 tonight, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, not going to be uh, in the lineup and could miss extensive time. So an absolute bonkers NBA morning. Yeah, so the line here with Kawhi Leonard officially being ruled out, I believe it was Brian Windhorst and Ramona Shelburne first breaking that story this morning, and uh, he could be done for the series. So that is a big shift, which is now we have two series tonight, both now best of three, each one tied 2-2. Let's talk Clippers-Utah. This line was like 2 two and a half. Now we knew about the potential for an injury with Kawhi's knee, but now officially out. And it's now seven. So that's a big move for me. And look, the first instinct for me, Tyler, would be like, oh, well, playoff P, pandemic P has no chance. (laughs) But I will say this. Obviously, we talk about key numbers in the NFL, and we know what the key numbers in the NBA are. Five, six, four, seven, those kind of numbers, that range. So it's right in that range, and that's worth mentioning. Also, this Clippers team is deep enough where they kind of have – the pieces in place. If Paul George has a strong kind of all-star type game, doesn't have to be the Kevin Durant from last night, all timer, but if he has a normal, I, I just think the Clippers struggled a lot playing off of Kawhi and things like that. And as great as he was, the Clippers actually do have sort of the rotational players to cover this, maybe even win. I, I just, it's, it's, it's there for them. So the number is too big for you. Is that where yeah, kind of I vote? think so. I would hope that maybe the Clippers start strong. I can get a better number live. I'm not taking the clips, but if it got to like nine, I would. Yeah, for me, it's the Jazz, or I'm not gonna, you know, play a side, uh, which I, I rarely do um, because of so many variables. Um, but if I did play a side, I would play the Jazz. You know me; I'm looking at how the the, the loss of Kawhi Leonard is going to impact the usage and opportunity for other players. So guys like Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson will have to assume a bigger scoring load. You, we'll see what happens to the rotation if Zubats gets more minutes or not, or if they continue to go small without having Kawhi Leonard, that jack of all trades on the floor for Ty Lue to do a little bit of everything. I can see Luke Kennard getting more minutes as well and more scoring opportunity because they're going to be missing a lot of punch. They need to have that scoring punch, I think, to keep up with Utah, especially since Utah will be back at home and, and Donovan Mitchell is doing what he's doing. So um, that's the way I'm going to look at it. I would still play the jazz, um, with the loss of Kawhi Leonard. Cause he do, he does so much of everything for that team. And I, I thought the jazz were the better team anyways, to begin with. Um, but for me, I think it's easier to isolate how some other Clippers players are going to get increased opportunity without Leonard in the lineup. And I should mention the main thing, keeping me off the Clippers is just the situational spot. Like obviously it screams Utah off back-to-back mm-hmm. losses coming home. We saw what happened. In games one and two, it's a tough place to play. That crowd can be rocking. Um, so that's why I'm kind of hemming and hawing. But there's a lot to like for that Utah side because of the situational spot. Let's go to Atlanta, Philly. This is really interesting because this line's moved from six to basically seven at a lot of places. 
I just I still think the Hawks are live here. I, I don't trust Embiid's knee. I realize when Philly has had to win, like coming off the first loss, they kind of just smacked Atlanta and they sort of figured out their offense. I can't play the side here. I just think it's too expensive for a Doc Rivers that, you know, let's face it, has choked in the past and also Embiid's injury. So I actually like the under quite a bit in this one. I just think Philly's defense is outstanding, right? We know about Tybal and uh, um, Ben Simmons with the adjustments to Trey Young. Trey Young's maybe a little banged up. I just think Embiid's banged up offensively as well. And I just think they're more familiar with each, each other's offense. I like the under 224. Yeah, similarly, I have a correlation play isolating the Hawks team total under 108.5. I do think Philadelphia at home is going to have a focused defensive effort, and Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel and, and those guys on the perimeter are going to you know, really be tasked by Doc Rivers with slowing down Trey Young, not letting him get his buckets. And, of course, he had 18 assists in game four. You can't let him be that kind of playmaker. So isolating a correlation play to that. Um, I think the team total for the Hawks is the one I'm most confident uh, going under here, just in case for whatever reason, Embiid is hot, Seth Curry is hot, whatever, and and the uh, Sixers are able to score 120 points. Um, I want some uh, protection against that by uh, isolating the team I think is going to lose with a game going under, and that's the Hawks 108.5. Similarly, a player prop that I like here, um, Seth Curry, over 14.5 points, even money, and over 2.5 made three-point field goals, uh, which is minus 135. Curry has been really good this series, knocking down triples at a 57.7% clip. But you go back to games one and two, he played at Wells Fargo Center, his home gym. He was 10 of 15 from downtown with five triples in game one and five triples in game two. That's a 66% hit rate from downtown for one of the game's best shooters. So especially if Embiid is compromised in any way, they'll need some help from other scorers. And uh, Curry's been an awesome uh, um kind of outlet for um, some scoring for Doc Rivers in this offense, averaging better than 14 and a half points per game this series and well over two and a half makes from downtown, especially at home. So I like Curry to be one of those role players in his home gym who delivers a big game and trying to help the uh, Sixers go up three, two. Yeah, no, it was interesting how the, the Danny green injury, right. Affected the Sixers, right. Cork mods is starting. And Seth Curry is probably getting more looks without Danny Green. So that's part of the domino effect. Obviously, we, we were riding our uh, Ben Simmons under. Did not deliver for us on Monday. So we went 2-1, and one, I believe, since we've been talking about it. Now the under 7.5 is no juice. I'll probably stay off just because he is a machine. But it was the first time in two years against Atlanta that he has gone over six rebounds, let alone the million that he had. So... <laughs> Um, it is what it is on that prop. Any uh, any baseball before we wrap things up with U.S. Open? Yeah, I, I'm looking at the uh, Blue Jays today um, against I the Yankees that. and Garrett, Gold, Garrett Cole. Whether you want to play the Blue Jays money line plus 140, the run line, so they'll get an extra run and a half added to their total as the underdog, um, or the Blue Jays team total, which is three and a half on DraftKings. All those I think are viable bets in this situation against Garrett Cole. One, we know the Yankees and Cole usually have. Um, attacks uh, kind of um, thrown to them. So they have been one of the least profitable kind of bets in Major League Baseball this season. And the Blue Jays offense has been dominant against right-handed pitching and at home in Tampa Bay or just outside Tampa Bay, of course, where the Blue Jays are playing right now, that small ballpark. They have a power pack lineup led by Vlad Guerrero, and they just mash against righties. They're first in Major League Baseball against right-handers this season in home runs, slugging, OPS, they're second in average. At home, inside their home yard, they're first in Major League Baseball in slugging, second in OPS, second in average, 
and their 1.73 homers per game in their home yard is second in Major League Baseball to only the Cincinnati Reds. So I see a great opportunity here to uh, get some value on the Toronto Blue Jays in a spot where they usually smash. Um, but there's great value on them because Garrett Cole and the Yankees are the opposition. I can't back you on the win the game because I think Stripling's terrible. But I like the team <laughs> total enough. stuff. Maybe the over in the game is a good is sure. good call. But um, you know those stats are overwhelming, right? And uh, we saw Garrett Cole did struggle the first time base, Major League Baseball announced that they were going to be changing the rules on some of the substances. Now he bounced back and was lights out the next game. So I uh, I think that could be interesting in that front. I got nothing on the diamond. I want to go to the U.S. Open. I know you have. DraftKings lineup and all sorts of, or DFS lineup, I should say. Mm-hmm. I have some futures. I talk about it openly on the Behind the Bets podcast, just in terms of uh, I have some golf guys I aggregate from. Basically, Morikawa of the favorites, that's the guy I like the most. His iron play, widely considered among the best, if not the best. He's 24 years old, but he obviously won the PGA last year. He's demonstrated the chops, and he's been lights out in recent form. So I just like everything about Colin Morikawa. Zalatoris has been a guy. Nita Marks has been raving about for quite some time. I got a little late to the party, but I still like him here. And then some bombers with Schwartzel and Homa. So those are the guys. I'll probably play in, in some mac- matchups, maybe some top 20s, but those are the four guys I'm focusing on. How about yourself? I do like Morikawa. He's getting some consideration for my uh, DFS lineups because he is this, of course, event is at Torrey Pines in California, a West Coast event. And th- there's guys on the tour, you have to realize, who play better in regions i consider justin thomas you know and uh a guy like um sung jm florida guys i consider morikawa west coast guys phil mickelson who we can talk about a west coast guy as well so the fact that this is a west coast venue morikawa is a guy who i think thrives out on the west coast of course he won his pga championship at harding park in san francisco so i like morikawa um two plays that i have um, not big names but guys who are consistent um, one this year and one just always at majors. Brian Harmon, the little lefty, top 30 finish plus 150 is, I think, great value for Harmon, who has been top 20 in five of the last six events that he has played. The one that he did not was the PGA Championship. He missed the cut there, but that was despite gaining four and a half shots ball striking in the two rounds. He had an unusually, an outlier bad performance uh, putting the ball. And with his short game, that's usually one of the strengths. He's fifth in the field in strokes gained around the green and bogey avoidance. He's 26th in the field in strokes gained off the tee. I know he doesn't have the length, but he's always consistent. And um, I think that's a name that just needs to fit inside the top 30, something he's been doing pretty much every week uh, this season. I'm not afraid of the track, and I'm not afraid of the stakes of a uh, major championship with Harmon. I'm going to go back to the well at plus 150 there to finish inside the top 30. And then Louis Oosthuizen. The South African who always shows up at majors, three to one to finish inside the top 10. We know he's a uh, dominant major competitor, second at the PGA Championship. He was 26th at the Masters this year, but he bounced back after shooting a 76 in round one to finish inside the top 30. He was third in last year's U.S. Open, seventh on the tour in strokes gained uh, from on approach from the 200 to 225 yard range. And why I isolated that shot for Oosthuizen is because we have 10 of the 11 par fours, Doug, at um, Torrey Pine South Course are 430-plus yards. So with the average fairway width being 26 yards at uh, 250 yards out, this is going to be a lot of target golf. Guys are going to have to have a lot of 200-plus yard second shots into par fours, and Oosthuizen is one of the most accurate iron players from that distance on tour. He's also first on tour in strokes game putting. 
So he's got a great short game. He's got a great long iron game, which I think is going to be necessary for proximity with those second shots and the long par fours. And he's just a great major championship competitor. So those are two guys that I like. Ustai's in top 10, plus 300. Brian Harmon, top 30, plus 150. All right, good stuff. A lot of good ammo for our listeners to take that and then apply it to their own, whether it be DFS, fantasy, pools, Calcuttas, you name it. But uh, exciting time, exciting week in sports. A lot of NBA news with the coach firings as well. So a shakeup there. But then we have the U.S. Open, the next golf major, and then uh, some of the diamond. All those, by the way, Tyler, all those road teams still still losing. Arizona, yeah. huge loss. Can't believe they did Blows that. the lead. Baltimore <laughs> uh, and Arizona. So it's Arizona, Baltimore, and the Pirates are the three yeah. teams that just cannot win on the road. All right, everybody, enjoy your day. Best of luck. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs> 